Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today we have on Super Talk Do It All Man Sports Talk Mississippi's Michael Borky. We talked. Well, we were going to talk Ole Miss football, and then Nick Saban retired. So we talked what is the biggest story in college football right now, potential replacements, why we don't believe Lane Kiffin is a candidate, the trickle-down effect of whoever Alabama hires, and a whole lot more wrapping up the 2024 college football season with our guy Borky. Depending on when this is released, it may be a little bit outdated. We talked about Dan Lanning's candidacy. He has since announced that he is not leaving Oregon, but I think the conversation still plays in the grand scheme of things and held up pretty well. So I think you'll enjoy it. Buckle up. Before we get to that, though, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today to use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this podcast, you get one month of free service when signing up for Seaspire. Check them out. Seaspire, customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Look, I tried to tell you guys, if you didn't sign up for Skybox at the beginning of the college basketball season when they put out their model, that is uh, on you because the last two weeks, Skybox clients are up 50 plus units total. They're up 22.4 units in the last week in college basketball. They rake it in every year. If you like college basketball and making money, which I don't know why you wouldn't like both of those things, you need to sign up for skyboxsportspicks.com. Go online, skyboxsportspicks.com. Sign up for a picks package that'll fit your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. Hell, at this rate, if you're not signing up for the year-long all-access pass, I don't know what to tell you. You're just neglecting yourselves. Profit. Check them out today. You got NFL playoffs coming up. You got the end of the regular season. You've got college hoops that they absolutely mop up in every single year, just getting into full swing. It is a tremendous time to try Skybox Sports Picks. Don't be the guy paying the man every Monday trying to figure out where the money's coming from. Have him pay you and uh, get a little extra Christmas money in your pocket. Check them out today. They're absolutely crushing it. Again, 22.4 units just last week. How does that sound to you? Sounds pretty awesome to me. Check them out. Skybox Sports Picks. Dot com use the promo code rippy r-i-p-p-e-e and that'll get you 20 percent off check them out skyboxsportspicks.com this podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippyrights.substack.com get a free newsletter from me plus discounted meats right now if you're a rippy right subscriber just go in show greg proof of subscription you get three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks if it's a 40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks just show him proof of subscription he'll get you all set up then go find your own favorites it's the best butcher shop in the world all kinds of delicious cuts of meats go to lb's this holiday season it will make everything in your house better people will be like where the hell did you get this awesome stuff like lb's university avenue in oxford it is a crown jewel of the south a crown jewel of oxford check them out today lb's university avenue okay here's borky all right, we now welcome on Super Talk Mississippi Sports Talk Do It All Man Michael Borky. Um, impeccable timing for this podcast. I texted you like a day or two ago, just wanting to recap the college football season as we often do. And then uh, the greatest coach in the history of the sport retires. And I guess we'll be reacting to that for a lot of this. Uh, you know, slow news day, right? You're reacting live on show. How'd that go? Uh, so Richard was in the middle of an ad read and you don't interrupt ad reads. They literally pay the bills. He's in the middle of one. And I just, I, I lost my filter. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I put my hands <laughs> up like this. I was like, Chris Lowe, Nick Saban retiring. And, and Richard was like, hold on. There's been a lot of fake accounts. And I said, no, Nick Saban is retiring. Um, I, I mean, I was shocked by it, but, but here's the thing. There were signs in hindsight, a lot of signs that this was something that was possible. And like I told you right before we we hit record, I know what Ross Dellinger is reporting, and it's Ross Dellinger. What he's reporting is true. It's true. It might as well be the gospel. Nick Saban was still working as of earlier today. 
However, you saw the the goofy story that we had fun with over the summer about him buying his retirement home. But then other stuff, anecdotal stuff. Like, remember Alabama week for Ole Miss? Remember how often Lane Kiffin kept talking about the last time? Remember that? I don't think he was saying the last time because they're not on the 2024 schedule, and we'll see about 25 in hindsight. Kirby Smart spoke about him differently leading into the SEC championship. There was the little stadium tour thing he did after the Tennessee game. And and, and you, you go back and, and think on the amount of times people said during the season, Saban's different. He's a little bit different. Tells me that maybe this has been something that has at least been understood to be a possibility for quite some time. And because I refuse to believe that a guy like Nick Saban, as measured as he is, would have not at least gave his bosses a heads up that this is a possibility, even if he was doing his job responsibilities as as late as this morning. So we're recording on Thursday if this, or on Wednesday night if this doesn't get posted until Thursday. But I refuse to believe that the the people that pay his salary at Alabama had no idea that this was coming in one way or another. Oh, 100%. And both things can be true at once, right? Ross reporting that, you know, he was interviewing candidates as recently as earlier today. And I always feel stupid, like, relating back to, like, things that happen in my life or just people I know's lives with these ultra-famous people that make a ton more money than us that are actually, like, famous. But, like, in, in any job industry, if you think about it, he's a 73, 74-year-old man. In the last four or five years with the portal in NIL – College being a college football coach, whether it's an assistant or a head coach, and we've covered this ad nauseum, you and I have talked about this a lot, has become a really taxing job with no offseason ever. And you're constantly on the clock trying to retain your own roster, trying to keep up with the portal, trying to keep up with the portal windows and really just figure out what kind of roster you're going to have leading up into fall camp. And even then the grind doesn't stop. And all of a sudden that's supposed to be like the ramp up time. Right. So there's no real offseason anymore. But like in any facet of life, I remember I was at a job in Dallas and there was the dude, I worked for a rendering company, which I've covered before. There was a guy that had been there so long, he was known as the grease man. Do you know how long you have to work at a company to be known as the grease man? And he was retiring and he kind of set the forces in motion of it in a summer and then kind of retired in January and then was kind of half-assed retired and kept being in the mix, despite the fact that he was declared retired and like, I don't know. He just like couldn't get rid of the bug, I guess. But the point I'm making, I guess, is the fact that like this can happen at any moment. And with Saban, to your point, he's much more thoughtful than just deciding one day I'm going to blindside everybody. What probably happened here is, is he probably told people close to him that this could happen at any moment and it could be any innocuous thing. I mean, he could have been interviewing someone. It didn't go well. And all of a sudden he just sits at his desk and is like, you know what? <laughs> I'm tired of this. I, I might go to that retirement home, I thought. You know what I mean? I mean, with all great people and all great careers and all great things, I, I have to imagine there's small, innocuous things that happen as the turning point, right? There's not always this grand turning point. They're like, hey, mm -hmm. this happened. That's why he's retiring. It's probably stuff that we don't know about. And I'm not saying that happened with Saban, but I think your point is exactly right. Like this just, this was not blindsiding anyone. I think the reaction initially would have been different had this completely blindsided Alabama I think this was probably in the works again he's a 73 year old man who's now adapting to a new calendar and this whole honestly year-round grind of all this this was shocking to read the news but when you contextualize it and think about it for a second not totally surprising and I think that's where I landed on things yeah I mean and there's already kind of rumors flying about the the reason why and and I'm not going to speculate about that that was my first thought initially was I, I hope that he is still in good health that it's not a health thing with him um well, 73 years old and had the greatest career ever maybe he's just like dude i'm done maybe so um and and maybe we never know the the real reason but uh, it doesn't matter uh, i mean nick saban has hung it up and uh regardless of the reasons why i think for for you the old miss fan listening today 
you should be very happy with this news unless they target Lane Kiffin, which it doesn't sound like that is going to be the case anyway. I mean, the guys at the next round, and again, when something like this happens, information is often incorrect right away. You know, a lot of people talk and things flow and and then it gets more accurate as it goes on. But they did an emergency live stream where it was it was Dunaway and, and Ryan Brown. And and Brown said, you know, Landing's name essentially coincided with the whispers that Saban was leaving. And Dunaway said there's a line of thinking that says that Dan Lanning is going to be in Tuscaloosa tonight if he's not already here. So if that is how this bears out, then this is great news for everybody in the SEC because I think Dan Lanning's a rock star, and I think he's going to be great. He's not Nick Saban. Nobody that they hire will be Nick Saban, even if it's a tiny step or it's a giant step. Alabama's taking a step backwards. You you can guarantee, and you should never guarantee anything in talking about sports, you can guarantee that Alabama's taking a step backwards. So as long as they don't go try to get Lane Kiffin, this is very good news for a fan of an SEC school not named Alabama today. Every single one of them. 100%. And when you talk about like a step backwards, it's like, what does that actually really mean? Because I'm a huge fan of Dan Lanning too. But it's like, it's almost an impossibility. There's no such thing as a step forward unless that someone does something that I've never seen before of like replacing Nick Saban. And if they do the landing thing, I think that would be the best hire they could possibly make. Um, we can get to that in a second, but like, if that's, yeah. that's the case, they're very smart about it. You know, I texted a buddy today who is went to Ole Miss was pretty connected with Alabama, Tuscaloosa family and all that. And again, talking with a couple people in like agency circles, again, I'm not remotely as connected as like Neil or anyone else, but I'd always kind of given been given the idea or the vibe that, as long as Greg Byrne is the athletic director at Alabama, that Lane Kiffin is probably not going to be the candidate to be Nick Saban's successor. Take of that and make of it what you will. I think it's going to be proven true. But I texted a guy today and was like, I figured they'll just pluck Lanning and keep it rolling. And again, this was just some off-the-cuff thought as I'm driving home from work. But it makes the most sense. And you're exactly right. Like This is good news for everyone in the SEC and really in the landscape of college football. Because I think Lanning could actually, I don't want to say get it back to a Saban level, but be in the mix as a like Texas Steve Sarkeesian. They're going to be in the mix for the playoff every single year and being everything you could want in a program and he will never get fired or get close to being fired. But what Nick Saban did is distorted any sort of standard for a successor. I don't really know how you replace that. And I imagine rational Alabama people have to understand like, if we hire Lanning, this is an awesome hire, but like this is not going to be the same because there will never be the same thing. And I think that's why that's good news for Ole Miss fans, SEC fans alike. And again, like I, you say, it's good news. It is. There's probably a part of a jaded Ole Miss fan was like, really, this happened the year after we got them our regular schedule. That was one of my first thoughts, right? They, Dude, that's got to be so part of the conversation. Fans say the same thing on the. Hey, man, but the like, long game. This is a good deal. This is a good thing for everyone involved. Because Nick Saban won at a level that no one has ever won at. And now that is out of the game and it elevates everyone else pretty much by default. Yeah. I, I do think, though, the uh, it, it's like the, the same take that's getting parroted over and over that you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy. And Dan Lanning, if it is him, which things change by the time this airs, it could be totally different. But certainly looks like that's what it's going to be is not Nick Saban. And he never will be. Don't get me wrong. But Dan Lanning, I think, would be crazy to not take the Alabama job. I think so. Alabama has every single resource you need to win championships, more so than Oregon. Oregon's got a ton of money and all that stuff, but Alabama is an objectively easier. uh, Now that Oregon's in the Big Ten, maybe easier is not even the right word anymore. Uh, But still, it, it is a place that has every imaginable advantage to win a championship more so than that of Oregon and Dan Lanning, even though he's following Nick Saban, I promise you has one thing on his mind. He wants to win championships. Where is a better place with a better path to do that? Alabama or Oregon. When people say the big Ten's easier, I just, I don't, I don't necessarily agree right now. Anyway, maybe if Oregon was still in the PAC 12, that would be kind of an argument, but you want to win championships. Alabama will give you everything you possibly need to do that, and they have a track record of it, 
He has a history in the SEC. He will recruit and he will win and he will get more money. Don't forget, Oregon doesn't exactly pay their coaches top dollar. I mean, only is an operative word when you're talking about $7 million a year, but that's what he's getting at Oregon. So and, uh, it'll come with a, his kids. It'll come with a significant pay raise on top of having one of the best jobs in the sport, which he currently does not have. And, and so I don't care if I'm Dan Lanning, I don't care if random Alabama fan from Mountain Brook is upset with me because I lost a game this year. I couldn't possibly care less. I want to win championships. And Alabama is a place that I think, anyway, my opinion, anybody's feel uh, free to disagree, of course. But Alabama is a place that if I were a coach, I think I would have a better shot at winning a championship than that of Oregon. And so that answers, that, that answers it. I don't care who I'm following. I, I don't care if he was the greatest coach of all time or the worst coach of all time. I, Dan Lanning, want to win a national championship. Alabama is a place that you can do so easier than that of my current job, again, in my opinion. So it's a no-brainer. I take it. This might upset some people. If I'm Lane Kiffin, and I know what his quote about, you don't, I know he said it too, but if I'm Lane Kiffin, I take it. I do. I go to Alabama because Alabama has more than Ole Miss does. Ole Miss is closing that gap, but there's still a gap. It's the closest it's it. ever been, but that doesn't mean the gap doesn't exist. If I'm Ryan Day, especially after losing to Michigan, the way he keeps losing to Michigan, I would take it. I mean, the only person, uh, there's a couple, I suppose. Uh, Kirby Smart, if I were Kirby, I wouldn't. Sark, but that's a good exercise, that right? You talk about the gap and, like, who would, wouldn't take it. It's not even a gap. It's like everyone else would take this job outside of, like, Sark wouldn't make a ton of sense given what is the current state of Texas, and Kirby wouldn't make a ton of sense. But outside of that, who would not make sense in terms of, like, I will take the job? It, Exactly. So I, I just I don't fall into that line of thinking of you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy uh, because I want to win championships. And I think I, that I can do that at uh, at Alabama. I know the, the landscape is changing and the SEC is growing and, and all of that. But um, Alabama will give you whatever you need. I, I think it's a phenomenal job. So um, despite that and saying all that. A step back is coming. And I think that random Alabama fan will never be able to rationalize the step back. Greg Byrne will be able to do it. The more intelligent people around Alabama will be able to do it. Random fan? They're not going to like what's coming. And that's the dichotomy of like, do you take the job and do you want to be the guy after the guy or one removed? I've always thought that was a little bit of outdated thinking. Because, like, when Bear Bryant retired or died or whatever happened with that, that sounds insensitive. When he retired and then shortly passed away after the fact, whoever it was after it, I can't remember. That was a whole different world after that. Like, if you replaced a legendary Super Talk producer, but, like, the majority of his career, social media didn't exist and all these other platforms and podcasts, you'd be like, well, I can do this now. Like, this is a whole different ballgame type of thing. I've never, like, subscribed to that theory of, like, you can't just be the guy after the guy. I think now in this day and age, you can capitalize on the infrastructure that Saban built. And if you remotely know what you're doing, you can kind of continue that. Yes, there will be a step back naturally, just surely at the level he won at. But you can make sure it's not a gigantic step back and you can make sure you're kind of on the precipice of what he was trying to accomplish, even if you can't actually get there. Because I'm not sure everyone, anyone else will ever again. And I guess I'd like to parlay that into a point. We talk about like who would take it and who wouldn't. I mentioned the Sark aspect. I got off the phone with a buddy before we started recording. It was like Sark probably wouldn't do it. Well, Sark's at a job that historically has too many cooks in the kitchen. And he's at the peak of it right now. He got them to the playoff. I know they lost in disappointing fashion to Washington. But like, if you really want to make fun of the meme, Texas is back. They are kind of back. If you're one of the four teams playing for a national title in late December and early January, you're pretty much got to be considered back. But, like, if that doesn't happen next year and then you lose Quinn Ewers and then you all of a sudden get into the whole, like, who exactly is my boss here? We don't have a real AD. There's a bunch of boosters. Like, I'm not sure what the collective role in this is. Not everyone's rowing in the same direction as we talked about a bunch. Wouldn't you rather just go to the Alabama and go to the infrastructure of that? I'm not saying he'll do it. I'm not saying it's dumb to say he wouldn't take the job. But, like, there'd be a part of me to be like, I mean, this Texas thing is great right now, but it's almost like Auburn-esque when proven to be volatile very quickly, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, and and like Stuart Mandel, he's saying the same thing. He he says my hot take. Well, Stuart, you are uh, on an island of ten thousand at this point. You have to be nuts to take on being the Alabama coach that follows Saban. Stay where you are, win, then take the Alabama job after that guy invariably gets run out after three years for not winning 12 games a year. But what happens if you don't get run out? What happens if you go to Alabama and win? I, I mean, is Dan Lanning really sitting in his office and thinking, you know what, I can't win at Alabama? I, I mean, that that's what what guys like Stewart are saying Guys like Dan Lanning should be thinking. Guys like Lane Kiffin or Sark is, you know, I'm really worried. I'm not going to be able to win at Alabama. I just don't think that way. No, of course not. And the thing is, Dan Lanning will win at Alabama, and they're not going to run him off. Uh, but anyway, I just, I, I, I for some reason, I, I see that everywhere, and I just, I can't bring myself to agree that Dan Lanning should stay in Eugene because he might not win at Alabama. He might not win at Alabama. No coach, like you just said, you're exactly right. No coach worth a damn is going to look at Alabama and think, I don't know if I can win there. I'm not sure. I just, I, I don't see it that way. And yes, I know what, what Kiffin said about it. He said the same thing. But I have a feeling if you ask Kiffin privately, hey, could you win championships at Alabama? I promise you I know what his answer is. Yes. Hell yeah, I can. In In short order. By year two, I'm winning a national championship at Alabama, I think would be Lane Kiffin's answer. Yeah, and honestly, again, what I mentioned earlier, I'm not actually even sure I agree with that thinking, right? I'm just telling you, like, what I've heard. Oh, sure. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I think Alabama would be dumb for not considering Lane Kiffin, but I just don't get the vibe that that is going to be the case, at least at this point in time, as we keep pointing out, we record at seven, you know, 7.30 at night or whatever on a, on a Wednesday and it could change drastically, but also there's the element of this. And I guess to tie it back to the Ole Miss faction of it, he's kind of tied into this 2024 thing, right? He's got everything he wants. His oh biggest gosh, rival, yeah. even though he's not on the schedule is now retired. And you have this program, which is one of two gigantic roadblocks in front of you. The other being Georgia now doesn't have their head man. And so if not now, then when, and again, I'm not trying to get in the head of Lane Kiffin. I don't pretend to know how he thinks. I could probably get a decent idea for the most part, even though he's kind of a wild card. But he's tied into this 2024 season where they have all these resources. They have all these people returning. They've done this tremendous job in the transfer portal class hall. Is this like the perfect timing as an Ole Miss fan ever? What if the Alabama job opened last year? And let's just say he was a candidate. What do you think about that? Or the Florida job, which I think he honestly, in some ways, maybe covets more than the Alabama gig for reasons that remain unclear. But this is kind of like perfect timing. Ole Miss dodged multiple bullets in the timing of these other jobs opening. And whether he's considered a candidate or not, again, I don't consider that like concrete reporting. I'm just telling you on a podcast what I've heard. Ole Miss has been like very fortuitous in the sense that like when these openings have happened, like it's kind yeah. of come in a perfect path of Lane's Kiffin's like, I would say evolution and arrival at Ole Miss, right? Like it's Florida two years ago, LSU a couple years ago, not a serious candidate. Now Alabama opens while well, he's all in on this. They've been fortunate in that as well. And they've also done their part in making it as good a job as it could possibly be. Uh, absolutely. And so, because I'm, I, just going to agree with you. It does not look like he will be a, a real candidate. I would in be Alabama. stunned so, if this even gets beyond it, like a hey, he might interview thing. Yeah, but you're also getting the people. Well, when Danny, uh, when Lanning goes to Alabama, then look out for Oregon and Lane. Two things that make me think that that's not going to happen. One, like you mentioned, from a football perspective, um, what he has coming to and coming back at Ole Miss, it doesn't make sense to leave that for. Oregon and yes I know Oregon's got good players and they've got Dylan Gabriel um somebody said to me earlier well if Kiffin goes to Oregon he's bringing Dart with him I'm here to tell you uh no and yeah, not because he he not because he wouldn't want Dart to come with him but uh no uh he, he would not be able to bring Dart with him I don't think but from a football perspective it doesn't make sense this Ole Miss team that he has assembled is better equipped to win in 2024 than the Oregon team that he will take over. And yes, I know they have Dylan Gabriel. I don't care. doesn't matter. And in 
winning 11 games or whatever, which is what they can and possibly even should do next season, if he really is wanting to get out, you know, if that's if that's his goal is to get somewhere else. Doing that at Ole Miss in 2024 will open up doors, possibly even at the next level, that going to Oregon and possibly having to rebuild wouldn't do as fast. So from a football perspective, it makes more sense to stay at Ole Miss. I'm not totally convinced that that some people are going to think I'm crazy. Even without the current setup of this team versus that team, I'm not totally convinced that Oregon is a a super-duper better job than Ole Miss anyway. I know they've got Nike and whatnot, but are, are, are we sure that Oregon is a place that you would leave Ole Miss for on its own? Absent the current state of the rosters? I'm not so sure I'm convinced. Well, you're coming at it from the rational mindset that makes too much sense, which is your deadly sin of not considering anything pre-2021 when this entire college football world changed. Right, Right, people, like this, this... This is a rant for another day, but like this whole outdated concept of the way like general college football media thinks about jobs versus what they actually are. I mean, Neil's made this point a couple of times. It's not really one that's that's original. And I don't mean that as a dig to him, but I agree with it. This whole college football world pre 2020, 2021, you can just throw that out the window. This is a whole new ball game with this portal in NIL stuff. And what when did Walter Nolan visit before he uh, visited Ole Miss and committed to Ole Miss? Say that again. Where where did Walter Nolan visit before he visited Ole Miss and then ended up committing to Ole Miss? Do you remember? I don't think anywhere. They didn't let Oregon. Oh, oh, okay. I actually didn't know that. So yep. to your point, like th- this is a different level of I mean, people within the industry understand this, but maybe fans don't to some degree. This is a different calculus in terms of evaluating jobs and all that. And I think what you said earlier kind of gets to what a better version of the point I was trying to make is I was, I, I gave the caveat, even if Lane Kiffin was a candidate for the job, what actually you should probably look at is, okay, say they just hired Dan Lanning and the trickle down effect, right? Well, is Lane Kiffin a, a candidate at Oregon? I remember when what's his name, Cristobal left for Miami. Um, I'm working at a rendering company in Dallas, still doing some stuff part time. And I get a DM to go on a Portland radio station to explain why Lane Kiffin. It's not coming to Oregon. And it was it was a show called like Dirt and Sprague out of uh, Portland. And they were normal guys. They were kind of poking fun at it. We had a good segment of just kind of laughing at the assert- absurdity of it. But like if you're an Ole Miss fan now worried about the trickle-down effect of that, what your point is the most poignant one is, let's just say they hired Dan Lanning and Oregon courts Ole Miss. If they had courted him in 2022, he might take the job. But now... Given everything that's happened in the last year, you win 11 games and you do what you did in the portal and you're set up for success for next year. Why would you go reset at Oregon when you have this opportunity to Ole Miss next year? I'm not even comparing the jobs at all. Why would you do that at that moment in time? Again, timing is everything in all of this, but I think that's a better way to phrase the point I had was just like, why would you do this now? There'd be no reason to. And so the first part of that is – Staying for 2024 at Ole Miss makes more sense than leaving for Oregon from a football perspective. And the, the jobs, I, I think Ole Miss is at least comparable to Oregon now. Can't always say that, but you can say that now in this modern era. And then the other thing, the more personal thing. So you don't need sourcing for this. If you take Lane Kiffin at his word in four different articles that were written this offseason, OutKick in the LA Times in two different ones in ESPN, the catalyst for Lane Kiffin staying at Ole Miss was his daughter. That was the, in his words, that is the catalyst. So you may or may not believe that doesn't matter, but that's what he said. Four different articles referenced that she is why he stayed. So knowing what you know about why he chose to stay at Ole Miss over a comparable job in Auburn, do you think in a few months that, would change for him to go across the country to the Pacific Northwest for a comparable job? If he didn't take one state over because of his daughter, you think he's taken Eugene, Oregon? That doesn't make sense to me either. So so there's that personal side that it's weird to discuss because like we're not in their family, but he said it. So I think it's fair to 
to opine over it because he did take that public many times this offseason. If he didn't take the Auburn job because of her, I, I don't see a cross-country move up to the Pacific Northwest uh, with that in mind either. That doesn't make sense either. So from a football perspective, I, I can't see that happening. And then the personal stuff, if that still remains true, then he's not going to Oregon for anything either. We'll get back to Michael Borky in just one second, but before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by our partner, AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day. I'm not always great about putting what I need to in my body. AG1 makes for a quick and easy fix for that in the morning. Drink it with your coffee. It is absolutely a great way to start off your day, get your body all the nutrients it needs, and to help just feel better in general. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash mpw. That's drinkag1.com slash mpw. Check it out. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. Okay, back to Borky. I think we've covered the fragile... Ole Miss fan psyche, and I don't mean that as a dig to anyone out there listening pretty well, and we've zeroed in on the landing part of it, but let's just remove landing from the equation. Let's just say they decide, hey, I don't know, guy's got a rap sheet. I'm just making shit up here. He's just out of out of the conversation. Where else do you think they go? Because I get the Dabo thing, right? He played there and all that, but to me, until proven otherwise, Dabo is a fossil in a rapidly changing system. We talked about the mindset of pre-portal and NIL versus post-portal NIL. And I know he has the cringe quote about, like, we made this in God's name, image, and likeness. I'm not trying to, like, crap on his religion. He just screams to me a guy that is probably not going to adjust well. Maybe they win 11 games next year and are back in the playoff. I don't know. I think uh, this is crazy to say two years ago. I think hiring Tampa Swinney would be a bit of a mistake. I would need not someone that's up to date with the times. Not not a bit. I think it would be a horrible Horrible mistake. And maybe they would like force him to do it. But do you really want to force a coach to adapt as opposed to just adapting, especially when you're going from and a coach that's accomplished what he's already accomplished? Right. And you're going from the king of adapting. I mean, Nick Saban, the, the best quality about him, I don't think, is the structure and the day to day of his program, although that apparently is just phenomenal. It's how many times college football changed and how many times other coaches failed to adapt to those changes. I mean, you think about when Rich Rodriguez, for example, was on top of the world. College football changed, and and he didn't. Now, he was supposed to be the Alabama coach. He was. And look, Jacksonville State had a good year, so maybe he's figured it out. But that, that I mean, he failed miserably as the sport changed. And Dabo Sweeney, the sport has changed. And at Clemson, because of the standard that he built, he's now failing there and refuses to adapt, Nick Saban changed style of play. Nick Saban changed when the SEC changed, when the playoff changed, when Portal and NIL came, he used both, not as much as some people like Kiffin, but his adaptability has been unbelievable. So going from that to Dabo Sweeney, who is as stubborn as you could possibly be on the changes of college football, would be a massive, massive mistake for Alabama. So you should hope it happens. You you should hope that they hire Dabo Sweeney because it would it would not work. It, it simply would not it, unless he would completely change his ways. He would fail at Alabama. And on top of that, he's got to deal with the SEC. On top of the adaptability, now yeah. it's hey buddy, there's no Boston College, there's no Virginia in here. Like this is a weekend a week out. Grind. Mississippi State was a bad team this past year, right? They were a, they were a bad football team. They beat Arizona, 
And remember how good of a season Arizona had? Oh, they yeah. beat Arizona, and they had, I mean, again, bad Mississippi State team. Kind of bad defense. NFL guys all over the field on that defense, including an All-American middle linebacker. I mean, that's a bad team, and you have to go on the road in the SEC and play those guys. You you don't have bad teams with the talent that even Mississippi State had on, on their team this season. And, yeah, so that further just highlights the point you just made. Jumping from that where you're struggling to the SEC where he I, he wouldn't work. He would not work at all. I texted someone earlier tonight who has a direct Venn diagram in both agency and coaching circles. And again, this is not any sort of like source thing. And I asked for two wild card candidates and the two names they spat back out was Kalen DeBoer and Elijah Drinkwitz. Thoughts. And I'll preface that by saying uh, I don't think uh, either one is getting the job, but just thoughts on let that fester for a second. Ooh, okay. Uh, so Eli lost his defensive coordinator. It was very good. That doesn't take away from the job he did this year. They were very good this year. Very, very good. He had a losing record going into this season. How much of that is record going into this season? I, I understand. Uh, I do. The, I'll stump for him. I mean, I don't even believe this my own right, but like if I'm making the case to stump for him, the recruiting he's done at Mizzou and then it finally hits like year four or whatever and they do this 10 and two thing. And granted, it was a little bit of a watered down SEC. That would be my case for him. Look at the players he's getting to go to Columbia, Missouri, where yeah. everyone's watching St. Louis Cardinals playoff games at the tailgates and stuff. That, that, you know what I mean? That, is that would be my case to stump for Drinkwitz. The opposite case would be he's a nerd and he's inexperienced. He's four years or five years as a head coach, so so at least it's not nothing. But <laughs> which I is mean, wild. It, so if it's not landing, it being Drinkwitz would be, if nothing else, hilarious. Uh, I mean, people are throwing Mike Norvell's name out there. I, I think he would do well. He, he's adapted to the era for sure. He did just go undefeated, at least before the debacle that was the Orange Bowl. So, and didn't get in the playoff. Is he not, as they try to leave the SEC, it's like, maybe I'm not waiting on this litigation. I'll actually just go to the SEC. Yeah, I mean, if I'm his agent, I'm like, get me the hell out of here. He figures his agent is. I, I mean, I would guess Jimmy, because that's everybody's anyone agent. Else, since anyone else exists, it's a monopoly. If, if I was Mike Norvell's agent, though, if, I, if I'm if i Jimmy Sexton, then hell yeah, I went out of Florida State. And it's nothing against Florida State. It's a great program, but they went undefeated. They went undefeated and beat LSU at a neutral site. They went to the Swamp and won. And for good measure, they beat Clemson and Death Valley and still missed the playoff. Why did they miss the playoff? Because ACC's on their chest. That's why. So get me the hell out as fast as you possibly can. Uh, I would be stumping hard. James Franklin's agent, I assume, is also Jimmy, has done a great job at getting James Franklin's name on these lists and buyout numbers and stuff. I think he has a 0% chance at getting the job. And if he does, everybody should celebrate. Yeah, because if you're ranked, you win. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think Norvell would do well there? I don't know what to think about him. Because it, I, I can't knock the job he did this year. I, I'm not negging him at all, but it kind of came, I don't say out of nowhere. They built toward it last year, but like, what do you make of the ACC? And then he was kind of after Fuente at Memphis. What do you make of him as a coach? Do you think he would crush it there or not? I really don't have an opinion myself. I, I mean, yes, he would do extremely well there because I think the infrastructure leads uh, to the ability to do extremely well there. Um. He wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, I mean, uh, Lanning would be my first choice. Well, Lane Kiffin would be my first choice. I mean, he would. If I were hiring at Alabama, Lane Kiffin would be my first choice. I just don't think that that is the way that those people will think. But if it were me, that's who I would want to be coaching my football team. Nobody has adapted to the era better and – I mean, he won 29 games in three years at Ole Miss. I mean, that happened. And and the year he went eight and five, thing, things were weird there for a while. And, and that situation wouldn't happen at, at Alabama either uh, in terms of other jobs, right? It, it wouldn't go down like that, I don't think, anyway. And as we sit here on a Wednesday night recording this, I guess the one area this could go sideways, and Alabama – seems to have a more rigid and organized booster structure than say like an Yellowwood Auburn thing. The way you would get to that point 
is enough money people at Alabama saying, hey, I don't give a shit what the AD thinks. Let's hire this guy or look at it or we'll get a new AD. It would take a we want to hire Kevin Steele, not Brian Harson type coup to make that happen. If those comparisons are even apples to apples or apples to oranges or remotely relatable. I think that's what it would take to get to that. And I'm not totally ruling it out. Again, as we just sit here on a Wednesday night, I'm just saying I don't think he's a serious candidate for this job. But yeah, and neither do I. I mean, you do this every day. Are you, I mean, in five days, are you shocked if we're talking about this because new information has come out? Of course not. But like, I just, I don't know what to think now. And with Ole Miss's arc in 2024, if they are trying to fend off some sort of advance from Alabama to get Lane Kiffin, this is the best position they could possibly be. I guess that's where I land on it. There, there's no better sure. position you could possibly be in than now. No. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's not just a credit to Lane. It's a credit to Ole Miss, too. I mean, I mean, Ole Miss has put itself in a position to, I mean, be extremely uh, attractive. Uh, and you can't speak enough about how impressive the collective is and how impressive Keith Carter has been on top of Kiffin's obvious uh, elite coaching and, and all of that. I mean, it's everybody's got to pull a rope in the same direction to get to, to where they are currently, but everybody is pulling that rope and and doing an exceptional job of it. It's really impressive to see what Ole Miss has become. And, and the thing is, most national people are kind of catching up to it, sort of. Yes. I mean, Ole Miss is getting their flowers uh, right now in terms of – As the kids you know, say. Yeah, as the kids say. They, they are. They're, they're getting respect for the first time. And uh, I – it's a credit to not just Lane, it's a credit to everybody. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, Alabama's not going to hire him. And now that I said that, sorry, they're definitely going to, considering my track record on on how good I am at predictions and getting things right. So I expect it tomorrow. But um, I think if you set the over-under on four days, we know who they're hiring. I think I would take the under. Ooh, I like that exercise. I think I'll take the under. Okay. I think we'll know in a few days. This is not going to be a search that drags out. It's going to be very, very fast. Because, especially because it has to be fast. One, because I think they had some kind of heads up. But two, how many private jets are going to be landing in Tuscaloosa tomorrow with college football coaches on it? Well, and come on, they've now gotten smart about this. They land elsewhere. They they, they taxi captain in. <laughs> they have outsmarted I mean, the flight tracker. But your point, how one many players on many... Alabama's roster has Pete Golding developed a relationship that ended with a commitment to Alabama? Think about it. So it's not just that Pete Golding had a relationship through recruiting, but they went somewhere else. Oh, no. Pete Golding recruited these kids and got them. And now they're free to do whatever the hell they want for the next 30 days. Yeah, that's you the other choke down part of this. You, you can't let that linger for any amount of time. And, and of course, you don't rush, but th- this is going to move faster than coaching searches typically do. The only one that's going to move faster is Michigan's after Harbaugh leaves because they're promoting from within. Yeah. And you mentioned the over-under part of it. Over-under, I'd probably take the under. But as is contingent with a lot of these head coaching searches, don't you go over if Landing says no? Because I don't know, like, do you have time to regroup? Do they have a like a, a B, C, and D? I, I don't know the answer to that. I'll be interesting to find that out if, like, a Bruce Feldman tomorrow morning, and it may be old news as we record this now, is, like, Dan Landing is not taking this job. Then it's like, okay, now what happens? That's the only way I could see this extending out a long period of time. Yeah, I don't need – I mean, even if Landing for some reason tells them no uh, – I. Well, where do you go after that? If you're if you're controlling the search, what is the B to keep it under four days? Well, well, Lane's my A, but uh, Landing would be my B, and then that is a good question. Um, I know that's where some... it gets weird. It's like Sark, um, Kalen a, DeBoer, Dabo? maybe. I wouldn't touch Dabo. Would not touch him. Wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even give him a courtesy call, buddy. I wouldn't. I, I'm so unimpressed with the job that he's done lately in this new era. I, it's so totally, completely unimpressed. Uh, quarterback development has been awful. Um, I mean, the team hasn't been particularly good. And his, his goofy self will get eaten alive in this league. Why not Just completely eaten alive. He'd take it, too. Have Do you, you seen what he gets paid? DeBoer got hired? Because I don't. All of a sudden, he just came on the scene. I mean... Offense looks really, really fun. 
what kind of recruiter will he be? And I know money drives everything anymore, but you still got to build relationships and recruit. If that kid, if that guy can do that in Washington that short of time, I'll let him do anything. I mean, that offense was ridiculous yeah. this year. It, it is. I still don't quite understand how they expect Will Rogers to do what Michael Penix does, but uh, <laughs> maybe you get off to the job and you come to that realization of like, uh, this could not be great. All right, couple rapid fire things as we wrap up here. What is your mindset when you lay your head on the pillow if you're Hugh Freeze tonight? Do you just take credit for something else? What is what is oh, your I'm mindset so, now? If, I mean, if I'm him, I'm so, so, so happy. He needed something good uh, to, to happen because um, it's been a disaster. And, and Auburn fans, it looks like they're starting to, to kind of realize that, hey, maybe Ole Miss people were right when they said, look, he can coach, but and everybody ignored the butt, and now, oh, oh, that's probably not the best word I should or phrase I should use. Well, well easy with your accusations. Freeze. He's taking over play calling now, so slow your roll. Oh yeah, 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 and and, and for sure that'll work. Uh, and maybe it's great, but I, I mean, again, he stepped in. He stepped in it when he talked about that I couldn't or I didn't game plan for the bowl game because I was recruiting. I mean, he said that I, I know. couldn't do both. It's like, and now buddy, I get both. it. That's the gig. That is the gig, as impossible as it is. Don't complain. That is the job. That was my reaction to that. Like, I, I get your gripe. It is rational. This calendar screwed up. But guess who else is not complaining about that? The other 119 FBS coaches. That is the exactly. job. Lane Kiffin had his team ready to play. You think he did some recruiting during bowl prep? Yeah, I think so. Look at the day of class. and day after. Probably day after the game, too. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a commitment on Christmas Day. <laughs> so so his team was ready to play. Eli Drinkwitz's team was was ready to play. Uh, Mike Loxley's team, your opponent in the bowl game, they were ready to play. Uh, Kirby Smart's team, despite getting left out of the playoff and being disappointed and having opt-outs, buddy, they were ready to play. Why wasn't yours? Because you were recruiting? So, so you were recruiting, but what was Kirby Smart doing? Oh, he was recruiting too, wasn't he? Oh, so was Lane Kiffin, as we said. You mentioned Eli Drinkwitz. They were recruiting for sure. So when you make up BS excuses and then you take on play calling duties, you look stupid. And today he, he should be very happy because now the attention is going to get taken away from you struggle to hire staff and also – you're, you're going to do what to Nick Saban's retiring. Everybody let's celebrate and roll tumors corner, which is the most little brother thing on earth, by the way. I know that Nick Saban has been awesome and has won championships and, and torn them apart. But you admitted that your little brother, when you're celebrating your rivals coach leaving to the point where you do the same thing you do after you win actual football games. Yeah, it's almost like sociopaths with a large ego have the largest pile of excuses, too. So I'll be interested to see how that turns out. Last couple of topics I want to get to you before we got to get out of here. We've texted back and forth throughout this Quinchon Judkins thing. I haven't really done a podcast, I would say, specifically on that since. I had my guy Bracken just break it down before we got in some hoops. He's now at Ohio State. That situation went down. We were both well-versed in how that actually went down. There was probably, outside of Ole Miss fan base, some pushback on the, did they really force the kid out of there? What do you make of the situation? You have a better pulse on fan bases across this state than I do because you do a live statewide radio show every day. What was the reaction to it? And kind of what do you guys make of it seven days or so removed from that happening? Well, well I did learn that, and this isn't unique to Mississippi State fans, but I, I did learn that people are completely unable to wrap their minds around complex uh, situations. Almost nuance. This is ill-afforded skill. It's it's impossible for for people to understand that that Ole Miss to a point wanted Quinshawn Judkins to return. They gave him a gigantic, an unfathomably large offer, um, and it was agreed upon. Maybe not formally, officially signed or whatever, but it was agreed upon right before the Peach Bowl. And it can also be true that things happen round at after the Peach Bowl that made them change their mind. And that is also a possible thing that can happen. And it's also possible that he was an issue in the locker room 
for weeks and weeks. And the team overcame that and still won games because he's a high-level player. And it can also be true that despite that, they have enough at some point. But no, it's, it's black and white. He left Ole Miss because he wanted more money. Or you guys are lying that he was a locker room cancer. It's just you being salty. Like there's anyway. So dealt with a lot of that. And uh, I mean, it's fascinating. There, there, there is truth to both things when it comes to he's an elite level player. I've seen a lot of people talk about, ah, well, actually, he's not that good. Bentley's better. Well, if you claim that Bentley's better, then you are saying that Lane Kiffin played the worst back far more often. So does Lane Kiffin not know running backs? No, it's Quinchon Judkins is a is a high, high, high level running back. That is very true. He is a loss. The question is how much of one and what they replace him with and what that leads to and wins above replacement. Um because they ran the football extremely well for the two years before Quinchon Judkins got to Ole Miss, led the SEC in rushing. In 2021, they had four guys with over 500 yards rushing. None of them, and you can take Corral out of that because he's not a running back, but none of the three were as talented as Quinchon Judkins. They're going to continue to run the football like that after he's gone. So both of those things can be true. You lose an elite-level player, your locker room probably gets a lot more friendly and comfortable. And also there's a great chance that you still run the football really, really well without him. All of those things can be true at the same time. Exactly. And a lot of people cannot compartmentalize all of that. You're exactly right. I don't buy into the theory of, well, Bentley was the better player, five point, whatever yards carry. No, of course not. Quinchon Judkins is an incredible running back. It's an incredibly talented kid. He is strong as hell. He has one of the quick, quickest first cuts I've ever seen in my life. But exactly on that note, the system made Quinchon, not the other way around. Has there been a single running back in Lane Kiffin's system that has sucked? People were high on Kentrell Bullock, and I don't even know where he is. I think he's in South Alabama now. He's probably not a bad running back. He looked like a superstar in Lane Kiffin's offense. Is the third guy behind Henry Parrish and whoever the hell else it was. Snoop Connor was awesome. None of these guys are bad backs, but the system kind of made the player in the least valued position in football now. And yes, what and, and Bentley's like- success tells you. That even though he's not durable like Judkins, and that's a question, but and he's a different back as well, but you, you've already seen it. Bentley exactly. is not Judkins, but look at Bentley's production when he does get the ball. He's exceptional. And and I guess they got one portal back today. Are, are they going to add? I, I can't help but wonder if they're going to add another one. I too. think they got to get one more. They're going to be fine. And they're going to look good. Uh, it's it's a weird conversation to have because when you talk about losing an elite player and then saying, ah, it's going to be fine, you, you kind of sound silly. But when you're talking about the least valuable position on a team among the 22 regularly on the field, it, it's hard to talk about how gigantic of a loss that is when it is, again, the least valuable position on the field. And it gets skewed even more because he was one of their highest paid players. And the reason that happened was the way the 2022 season ended, he knew and his camp knew they had Ole Miss over a barrel. They couldn't withstand the optics of losing their best player after the way the 2022 season ended. So they way overpaid him. And again, this is a classic test case in NIL and who represents you and what you become after you get a little bit of money. And I don't mean this as a shot at Quinchon or his family or anything else like that. But this will be a classic test case of the early portion of NIL and how it affects people. They got paid way too much money for a running back position after the fact, the 2022 season, because they couldn't afford to lose their best player. They try to re-up it. I wouldn't say things were always negotiated in great faith. And it became a problem as Ole Miss rose to a better team and a better product throughout the 2023 season. And it came to a head. And you saw it spill over on the field. This is regular knowledge now. You see the clip of Dart telling Lane to take Quinshawn out of the game. Like, if people don't want to approach that part of it, I can't help you. If that's what's happening on the field publicly, then what do you think happened at halftime in the locker room? What do you think happened two months before that? What do you think happened when he was struggling against Tulane? Do you think that all of a sudden just happened in a vacuum? No. This was a complex, long-winded 
thing that came to a head in the team's last game of the year, and Ole Miss decided they had enough of it. And I get people can't wrap their head around of he's an All-American running back. Why would Ole Miss let him go? Buddy, you're not in a locker room. They're valuing culture over everything else in this coming year with all these portal guys, particularly high-profile guys, that they were just like, we we, we we don't want to do this anymore. And it was the fact the kid's not going to make that much on the open market. I don't know what Quinshawn Judkins made by signing with Ohio State. I don't know. I can almost guarantee you with impeccable sourcing, it was significantly less than the offer he left on the table at Ole Miss. And I think that is a telltale lesson and a telltale sign and a cautionary tale of don't be that guy when it comes to NIL. Yeah, for sure. And, and Neil and Chase talked about it. I heard them talk about it. And I mean, they're spot on when they talk about what he left behind at Ole Miss was more than just money, too. Um, and I it mean, was a lot of money, too. A, a lot of money. If Google is correct, it's more than NFL league minimum. So uh, a lot of money. But uh, Ole Miss brings these guys in, too. So it, it's not like they don't engage in this. Like, like Walter Nolan's not going to have a legacy at, at Ole Miss, really, because he wasn't part of the build. As Chase said, he, he nailed it. it. You know, Quinchon was part of the build. The sentimental value was huge, and that value w- would carry you on for such a long time. And maybe Nolan's not the best example because if he becomes a, becomes a top 10 pick, then nobody around Ole Miss is going to forget him or look at him as a hired gun because top 10 picks do wonders. But still, Ole Miss is engaging in the one-year rentals as well, but if you were if you were to stay at Ole Miss and be a part of that first playoff team, the things that would happen for him forever are invaluable. But at Ohio State, it sounds like Travion Henderson's leaving, but let's pretend he doesn't for a second. Let's pretend Travion Henderson stays at Ohio State, and you're a backup for a year before you go to the NFL. None of those people are going to give any amount of crap about you. You're a rental. That's all you are. And that is a lot of lost value. That's more than just the, the NIL dollars as well. 100%. I mean, the, I mean, think about Deuce, just Deuce McAllister. Ole Miss people that weren't old enough to see him play love Deuce McAllister. They know him. They love him. They watch his highlights. They wear his jerseys in the Grove. I saw earlier this year, I saw a, a clearly a student wearing a Deuce Ole Miss jersey. You weren't alive to see Deuce play, brother. But but still, his legacy, even at his age, I mean, he's been done playing with the Saints for how long? He's on the radio broadcast. And he's still, around Ole Miss, has value. Quinchon blew all of that. It's gone. He has no value at Ole Miss anymore. He has no value. And, and like Laquan Treadwell, went to the Ole Miss basketball game recently. Treadwell has, has stayed in the NFL. He's loved Ole Miss people of all time. And because he was there forever and and he got hurt and wasn't the same player after getting hurt. And, and he's been, he's been on NFL rosters. So to, to turn your nose up at that is goofy, but he, he hasn't been the NFL player that pre-injury you were expecting him to be. But every time he comes back to Ole Miss, guess what's going to happen to Laquan Treadwell. Every single time he comes back, he's a legend. People at the basketball game are going to want his attention and, and that's all gone. It is completely gone, and, and that that's a shame that some of these guys don't see that. And some leave, like if their coach gets fired or whatever, they leave bad situations or bad teams. Like the aforementioned Nolan, I do not blame him at all for leaving Texas A and M. I don't I don't blame him at all. I would have advised a young person to leave Texas A and M as well. It was bad when you were there, and you got this new coach. You may not win right away. Go get yourself something. Quinchon didn't leave a bad situation. He left an incredible situation it's different he blew up a great one thinking there was a better one out there and it's just not the case and it's not the first 18 year old kid or 20 year old kid that's short-sighted but it it's a damn shame he is michael borky i appreciate the time dude i enjoy this as always i'm sure we'll check in yeah sorry for holding you long i I know i'm really really long-winded and and you're trying to go to the hoops game so forgive me but uh i I enjoy being on this podcast in the feed and uh I appreciate uh, you guys at Rebel Grove and, and everybody that, that listens and um, all of that. You guys are, uh, are pretty awesome. And so thank you for listening to me ramble uh, as much as I do, some of it nonsensical. So I just I wanted to give a, a thanks. I, I've decided in 2024 I need to be more appreciative and <laughs> uh, 
uh, but no, seriously, I, I really do. What, what you guys do is awesome. And I'm, uh, I'm just glad to be the, uh, a regular guest on, uh, on the MPW digital feed. So thanks guys. Never long waited. You're the fourth leg of this podcast. We'll talk to you soon, dude. See you, man. All right. That's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll have a little bit basket, more basketball stuff for you here toward the end of the week and into the weekend. And a couple, uh, couple of interesting guests next week, hopefully, if I can get that lined up. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the show, as always, and we'll talk to you here soon.